Greetings and welcome. This is The Revealing Podcast, and I'm your host, Tom Thorpe. The Revealing is a deep dive into the prophetic scriptures from Genesis to Revelation. The focus here is understanding the plan of God for the end of this age by interpreting and deconstructing the book of Revelation under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Currently, we're working through series six, entitled The Seventh Seal and the First Four Trumpets. The goal is to gain the light necessary for our prophetic pathway through the darkness of our day and the tumultuous time that lies ahead. All of this according to our Lord's desire, as He is shaking the heavens and the earth today. Now it's on to our next session. May the revelation of the Lord Yahshua Christ strengthen your spirit. All right, so we'll begin here in the sixth series entitled The Seventh Seal and the First Four Trumpets. And the first session in the series is The Seven Angels and Trumpets. So as we continue in our studies in the book of Revelation, we'll see as far as it concerns our time today, Revelation is the mother load of prophetic scriptures. And that's because the book of Revelation is culminations and, and endings and completions. And just as a reminder, the purpose of this deep dive into the prophetic scripture is because we live in a time when everything is being shaken and only that which is consistent with the kingdom of God will escape these judgments and this shaking that is taking place and therefore it will remain. In fact, the uh, point of these judgments and the purpose behind these judgments is to make room for the kingdom of God to manifest itself in the full scope of what God envisioned when he created the heavens and the earth. So if there's going to be a safe place to stand, it's going to be understanding that that place is the kingdom of God on earth. And one of the remarkable things about the book of Revelation as we're going through it is that it's not a standalone book in the Bible. It's not just simply inserted in the end. I know some of the books, the way they're put in, the way they're structured in the testimony, in, in the New Testament especially, are just kind of inserted and they're not along any kind of chrono chronological uh, sense. But this one is in because it is bringing together the thing that is the completion of the age, and it talks about the next age as well. So it's it's very much a summary, not only of other prophetic scriptures, but but especially of ancient promises that God made. So it's the unfolding of the symbolisms of scripture that reveal Christ, and, and that is the triumphant Christ. And it does, of necessity, also reveal the triumphant body of Christ. And so that is the only description of the church found in the scriptures. It's not an institution, not a thing crafted by men, not a thing developed by the imaginations of men, but this is the real thing, the body of Christ. So part of what's happening at the end of the age 
is the clarification of what the body of Christ is. Because that and that alone will enjoy the benefits of being associated with Christ. And he is being revealed in his ultimate triumph and his ultimate overcoming. That's what we're seeing come upon us. So on to our discussion in the eighth chapter of the book of Revelation. Here the lamb opens the seventh seal. And there was silence for about half an hour. And in chapter 5, you remember, the lion of the tribe of Judah was found worthy to take the scroll and to open the seals. And we've been looking at the opening of each of these seals. And now we've come to the seventh seal. And you understand that because this is a scroll sealed with seven seals, the seventh seal is about the culmination of all that has been sealed. And of course, consistent with the very meaning of seven, which is completion, perfection, the final thing. Sometimes the number seven is used simply as a metaphor for completeness. And sometimes it's an actual number, seven, which also means it is wrapping up or the completing of things. Now we are told that there were seven seals and we have observed chronologically the opening of the six prior seals. And so here we are at the opening of the seventh seal. So, as one might expect, from this point forward in the prophetic narrative, we're going to see the wrapping up of things. Once again, the wrapping up of things is going to refer back to certain things that have already been mentioned in scriptures, in the ancient scriptures. This is one of the most wonderful keys of understanding regarding the book of Revelation. It's not a standalone book, as I said before. It goes back and brings forward things that are of the most ancient references. And it brings them forward now and shows them in the light of final things. It just, it's just a better, it's, it's a more in-depth understanding. And so at this point, it might be said that there is the occurrence of hidden things of our eschatology or the wrapping up of last things. The Bible begins with the statement that the heavens and the earth were created. So there was a time when they did not exist. They were created against the background of what purposes they were designed to serve. And when those purposes have reached their completion, the heavens and the earth will pass away. Now, I know that when we look through our eyes directly into our daily circumstances, the concept of things coming to an end or the finality of things, the eschaton, the wrapping up of things just doesn't seem real. Right now in the world, there are many challenges and challenging things. And understandably, the mind of man is fixated on these challenges. Even believers are inclined to be grappling with how things are going to be resolved. So it's not surprising that the unfolding of last things is going to catch the church under its per, per, uh, present leadership. It's going to catch them un, unaware. They are distracted from these things that actually determine what the course of history is. That is why we're told again and again in the scriptures by none other than the Lord himself, watch therefore, meaning 
Do not lose your focus. Pay attention. So then in Revelations 8.1, it says, When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. This pause would seem to indicate a separation from what had been talked about just previously to what is about to be unleashed. What follows here is a brief bridge between what had been talked about in the end of the seventh chapter, where those who have overcome have been given not only the white robes and the honor and the glory and the rest, but the prayers they had offered to God and every indication was that their prayers were being answered. And their prayers were like, how long, O Lord, will you put up with the unrelenting oppression of your people? How long will you tolerate the wickedness of men? How long will you permit the lawlessness and evil by rulers and people alike to go unchecked upon the earth? How long, O Lord? And as we read, they were given every assurance that these prayers were heard, and then they were exalted, they were robed, and they are otherwise honored in heaven. And now, there's a break from that to what is about to be released at the opening of the seventh seal. So Revelations chapter 8, verse 2 says, And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. So if we look at Luke in the first chapter, one of the angels who stands before God came to see Zacharias and then Mary. As a greeting, the angel announced, I am Gabriel, one of the seven angels who stands before God. So it would appear that angels who stand before God, inclusive of Gabriel, are waiting to be dispatched with messages from God. We also saw the angel Gabriel in the book of Daniel, if you'll remember, coming to tell Daniel about events that were to unfold in his day and in his time. As ominous and as unusual as the reference, the seven angels who stand before God sounds, we're really quite familiar with the fact that there are angels who stand before God waiting to announce the things that God wishes to do upon the earth. In the case of Gabriel, in the two instances that I've mentioned earlier to indicate that when this messenger comes and brings a message, the whole earth is changed by what is said. In that sense, the sayings of God are the means by which he, God, alters the trajectory of human history. I don't think people think about that very often. For example, when the angel Gabriel came to tell Daniel that while Daniel was still praying, Gabriel said, I was dispatched to bring you understanding. And then as Gabriel finished telling about the understanding, some of which was to happen immediately and some which was meant to occur in what are called the 70 prophetic weeks of Daniel, one of the things that he said was, as I was coming to you, Daniel, the prince of Persia detained me for 21 days and no one came to my rescue except Michael. 
and he overthrew the prince of Persia. When I return, the prince of Greece will come. So, even in those, uh, what appear to be just passing statements, enormous revelation as to what the changes on the earth is deposited. He prophesied the end of Darius II, the destruction of Darius, by one described in the scripture as a saggy goat. The term Macedonia or Macedon related, is related to goat herders or tenders of goats. So here we're talking about the king of Macedonia, who at the time would be Alexander the Great, the son of Philip of Macedonia. He would come and he would destroy the Persian Empire. Well, if you look into history, you're going to see that's exactly what happened. He was described as this shaggy goat as moving so fast across the ground that his feet didn't even touch the ground. And this was Alexander's military strength. It's a fascinating story, too, the, the way Alexander... Um, just his his military mind he could move in military terms with lightning speed and if you remember back to world war ii the germans called it blitzkrieg and the blitzkrieg was the way the germans circumvented the maginot line that separated between the defensive positions of france and germany the germans simply swept around the ends and captured the armies of france in world war ii so Alexander, however, perfected that art millennia before and destroyed the prince of Persia. So in that statement brought by the angel Gabriel that said, when I return, the prince of Greece will come, he talks about shaking the earth, establishing a new rule, and destroying another form of rule. So the second reference to the sayings of Gabriel and this is my point, that is, when the angels who stand before God announce things on the earth, it indicates a profound shaking, a resetting of the earthly order of things to be consistent with the unveiling of the prophecies that are written in the books that have been sealed. And they are now being opened and this is making way for the advance of the kingdom of God. Now, whenever these angels speak, it's always about shaking that makes way for the advance of the kingdom of God. It's a fascinating thing. The second example is when the angel Gabriel again uh, came and he spoke to Mary. The reference in Luke 1, about the 30th verse or so, Gabriel tells Mary that he had come to announce that she would be carrying the child of the Holy Spirit, whose name would be called Emmanuel. El being God, Emmanuel being God with us. So there can be no doubt that the arrival of the Lord Yahshua represented a complete and total reset of human history. This was the fulfillment of the promise made to Abraham that was the very justification for the existence of the nation of Israel. If you remember, 
the promise was, in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. The coming of the Holy One, the child to be born, according to Isaiah 9, 6, is the son that would be given and would reset all of mankind. But you know, as well as I do, that that was foreknown by God, indeed, from the foundations of the world. The Lamb would be Emmanuel, who would be slain from the foundations of the world to reset the order of things that would bring in everlasting righteousness. First, we see it in the person of the Lord, Yahshua, and then subsequently in the body of Christ. That is what is uniquely prepared to carry the image and likeness of God in the earth, going back to the original intention, a man in the image and likeness of God. Now, this is to show to creation the excellence of its creator and to invite mankind to become formed to the standard of God's righteousness revealed in the person of the Lord Yahshua Christ. Then shown to the earth and shown to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places and this through the body. All right, so from that simple statement, I saw seven angels who stand before God, Revelations 8, 2. We pulled out one of the seven angels, the one that we know for sure, because he said so. I am one of the seven angels who stands before God. Now, these seven angels are given seven trumpets. It is common for the angels who stand before God to announce things. And the seven trumpets are the seven announcements that will constantly continue to shake the heavens and the earth. And that is to make room for the coming forth of the kingdom of God in its greater fullness. Now we need to understand the kingdom of God is not waiting to come. The kingdom of God came and it was first announced on the day of Pentecost. And it's been here since then for 2,000 years nearly. But a prophecy regarding the kingdom, even from Isaiah and, and from Daniel, by the way, declared that the increase of his kingdom or the increase of his government and his rule will never end. Once it begins, it's never going to end. So, from its inception on that day of Pentecost and continuing into perpetuity, certainly throughout the rest of this age, throughout the millennial age, and then beyond. Because at the end of the millennial age, the Lord Yahshua, it says, will hand up the kingdom to the Father, and God will be all in all. So it's meant to increase from one stage to another to another. All right? Although the earmarks of the kingdom remain the same, it is the throne of God or the authority of God and it is the place from which the rule of God is supported in the earth and then is projected through a people in the earth. Now it represents the incarnation of God in the person of Christ. So 
when Yahshua prayed to the Father, he said, those who come after me, let them be one in the same manner in which you and I are one. You are in me and I am in you. Let them be one in us. And that's from John 17, verse 21. Because we yet live in the flesh. And Yahshua came in the form of flesh while he was on the earth. He was God incarnate. So in, in an incarnated form, it requires the existence of flesh. Now there will be a time when this mortal will put on immortality, when the natural will be clothed with the spiritual. So it will no longer be an incarnation in the flesh, but it will always be the dwelling of God in whatever form man is in. So it's in humans and us now in the flesh, and then one day we'll be glorified. So then we're going to move on here to Revelations 8, verse 2. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. So we know that they are about to sound. And we know that their soundings will change everything that follows. They're bringing all this new stuff in. The change will be in the nature of destroying that which opposes the kingdom of God. So the kingdom of darkness. So the things they're going to announce are going to bring forth that which destroys the kingdom of darkness. And this causes the kingdom of God to come in greater measure than it ever has before. And that's, that's where some of modern, the modern day church's belief structures see it differently. But we're going to see an increase in the kingdom of God on the earth. Then in Revelations 8, verses 3 and 4, then another angel having a golden censer, came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne of God. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hand. All right, this was not one of the seven angels. This is another angel altogether. And he comes forth holding a golden censer, which is that object in which you burn incense. To get a better understanding of this, we would need to go back into the Old Testament and the building of the tabernacle and look at the altar of incense and look at the symbolism of incense offered as the prayers of the saints. And, by the way, how strange fire offered on a censer is an abomination to God. We will therefore discuss what our prayers ought to be like and why some prayers are not answered and other prayers are indeed answered. So that would bring clarity to, you know, the way which we're supposed to pray in the day and the hour that we live. So we will talk to you next time. And until then, 
This is Tom, and may God bless you and strengthen you.